0: Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now, let's join our guest speaker. You're out in the community, schools, neighborhood. Um, I did it myself, actually. One of these past nights, it was a beautiful sunset. I forget what night it was. I mean, the sky was on fire. So I was, I was driving home. I don't know if it was Thursday or whatever it was. I looked at the sky, and I thought, this is just... Absolutely incredible. So I thought, I'm going to pull over and look at this thing. So I passed my house and I went to the Fort Hill uh, Plaza because um, you can see the mountains and you can see the sky. And I pulled over just right off the uh, ramp. And, I mean, the sky got it was just unbelievable. I'm just taking pictures. And everyone else starts pulling in there and getting out of their cars taking pictures. And so... There was this young woman, and she was kind of next to me taking pictures. And I thought, I need to engage the woman, okay? So I, I said to her, hey, I mean, this is so beautiful. She's like, yeah. She said, I come here a lot. And I said, you know, God did this. I mean, isn't this great? She said, yeah, absolutely. I said, well, are you a Christian? And she said, oh, yeah. I said, oh, that's great. So I had a neat conversation with her. Um, what was even neater is uh, I was able to... Possibly point her to a job at Liberty University uh, her and her mother so it was it was just kind of one of those God moments but you see if you're not praying I was I prayed this I prayed last week because of Don sunshine I said God use me show me the opportunities okay Debbie took the opportunity it was because of Don I said did you do that because of Don sunshine so she said yes okay I did that because of Don sunshine so and it's, it's not Don Sunshine. Obviously, it's the Scripture, right? But he was the one that brought the Word of God to us. So I want you guys to share your testimonies with me or, or Sam or Pastor and let us know what you've been doing because how, how, how did the early church grow? Just exactly what Debbie and other people are doing, right? It's not because we have better programs. That the people over at this church like our programs better, so they come over here. Not interested, right? So let's grow the church. Let's evangelize people, right? Okay, so my message is not on evangelism whatsoever. (laughs) What is my message on? I forgot. Oh, so you want to go out on a date. So we're going to talk about dating this morning. Um, A fun topic, right? Those of you that have kids, and if you're a teen or college student or young adult, or even an older adult, even older adults go on dates if they're single, right? So I want to talk to you about that. But here's the thing, all right? You cannot understand dating unless you understand creation. I'm going to make a connection that you've never thought of before. I never thought about it. I couldn't sleep one night, and I was praying. I was praying for the message and God gave it to me, and this is what He gave to me. All right, so creation. Now I'm gonna, you know how in the movies we'll go see the Passion of the Christ. Like I think was it Jim Caviezel played Jesus in the movie? Is that who it was? Okay, is it okay for Christians to act out and play God, play Jesus? Okay, so I'm gonna pretend I'm God. Okay, I'm not. <laughs> I'm little g God, right? But I'm I'm pretending I'm God. Okay, you ready? And so, I said, let there be light. And there was light. And then I made heavenly bodies, planets, stars, and I made this earth. I mean, I made this thing. I made this thing, right? Okay, actually, I delegated some to some of my angels that live in my household. (laughs) Okay. Um, But I, I made this thing, right? And I even made it spin on its axis. I can do that. <laughs> so I, I put this continent on here. I separated the water boundary from the landmass. I did that, right? I created this thing. Okay, I created the heavens, I created the earth, I created the animals, I even took dirt. I took dirt. Yellow I took Green dirt, some of my creations sleeping. I took hot pink dirt, green dirt, and uh, what's that? Fuchsia? I don't know what it is. Purple dirt, and I breathed on my dirt the breath of life, and my creation came alive. I mean, you know, green man was just green dirt until I breathed on him. Now green man is like alive, right? So I mean, I'm God. I can do that, right? Okay, so then, so I made my little creation here, all these little people. Would you agree I am like so much more superior to these things than they are? I mean, really. I mean, look at Green Man. <laughs> okay, so I had some, had some commands for these people. right? So I told them, look, don't kill each other. Don't steal from each other. Don't sleep with another man's wife or another woman's husband. Right? I mean, I'm, can, I, can I make these rules? Okay. Don't steal. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Listen, purple man. I want you to honor your mother and your father. Can you do that? Yes, OK. Purple man. can do that. <laughs> All right. A uh, hot pink woman. I don't want you. (laughs) Uh, You need to flee youthful lusts. Can I tell? Can I tell her that? I'm God, right? That's my rule. Flee youthful lusts. Did God say that? He did. He really did say that, actually. All right. You shall not be jealous. Did God say that in the scripture? And we're we're going to look at these things. Purple man. Do not defile the temple of the Holy Spirit, purple man. Okay. All right, do you guys get the picture? I'm God. So what's the relationship between creation and dating is I make the rules. God makes the rules, doesn't he? So are there some commands that we need to study when we talk about dating? Yeah. And the Creator made them. So do we want to go against the Creator? No. Because He knows what He's doing, doesn't He? And aren't His commands ultimately for our blessing? Doesn't He love us? Yeah. He sure does. Okay. So that's what we're going to be talking about um, dating today. So the question is is dating really biblical? Dating's not really mentioned in the Bible. Um, So let me just give you a worldly definition of dating, okay? This is worldly definition of dating. So it's two people. They could be of the same sex or the opposite sex getting together for companionship that usually leads to sexual immorality. Would you agree with that definition? Not always. Now I'm talking worldly definition. I'm not talking church. Okay? Actually, I am sadly talking about the church somewhat. Sadly. But the worldly definition of dating is two people get together. They don't want anything to do with their parents. They run away. They want to be alone, right? They, they stop even seeing their friends. I, I know because I used to do it. You don't want to be with your friends. You want to be alone with this, your girlfriend because you want to be able to experience freedom. Right? You want to do what you want to do when you want to do it, however you want to do it, and that can lead to sinful behavior. Okay, that's the world's definition of dating. But could there be a Christian definition of dating? You say, Mr. Di- Mr. Dadio. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not teaching a class. Uh, John, <laughs> um, I'm sorry, <laughs> slipping into teacher mode here. Um, what about betrothal? I mean, betrothal is the biblical way to do it. Okay. Somebody in here is very spiritual, and you to say, well, John, it's, it's betrothal. That's what we need to teach our kids. There's nobody in this room that was betrothed to anybody. Your parents weren't betrothed to anybody. Your kids weren't betrothed to anybody. There's very few people in our society that were, are being betrothed. So betrothal, what was it? It was a practice of an arranged marriage that was like a binding contract. So if you got betrothed to a a girl, it's because your parents arranged it and you were considered officially married. And the only thing that could break that would be they had to write a certificate of divorce. So Mary and Joseph, remember, they were betrothed to be married. And so uh, all of a sudden, Mary's pregnant with a child. And Joseph's like, I didn't do that. I can't be with this woman. She has a baby. This is wrong. I'm going to divorce her. I mean, Joseph and Mary were betrothed. And Joseph, it said, was going to put her away quietly because he was a decent man. He was a God-fearing man. Holy Spirit shows up and says, listen, Joe, it's from me. Hang in there. And he did. And they got married. And the Son of God was born. Died on a cross. Rose from the dead. Sent the Holy Spirit to those who would believe good news. Right? All because... Joseph obeyed the angel and Mary obeyed the angel. Isn't that pretty cool? Okay, so is betrothal really God's way for us to date? I would say no. I would say it's a cultural practice. Could we do it? Sure we could. Um, But I don't don't see that as God's command. You must be betrothed. Do You guys see that in the Bible? I haven't seen it. They did it. But dating's not in there either. So how do we... Get together. Well, we have dating apps, don't we? <laughs> uh, maybe not, but <laughs> what we do. Um, so, let me give you a Christian definition of dating. Okay, so you can agree with this is my opinion. I'm going to give you opinion things like sanctified suggestions, and I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, I made this, and here are my commands. Okay. So here's a suggestion, here's a suggested dating definition here. All right, two people of the opposite sex keyword opposite sex spending time together for companionship with all purity keyword purity, right? To see if it's God's will for them to be married. So keywords again, God's will for them to be married. So three components to dating, right? Opposite sex. (laughs) Um, Should they be married in all purity? I mean, does that sound reasonable? I mean, you can come up with your own definition of dating, but it should have those elements to it, shouldn't it? Okay. Alright, so, is dating biblical? I think it's a cultural practice. I I think God God commanded the human race to what? Be fruitful? So obviously, there's got to be some kind of process for it. But the Bible doesn't define the process. It defines the character and the purity of the process. So that's what I'm going to be talking about today, the character and the purity of the process. Okay, so um, worldly dating. Like I said, I made a statement that worldly dating usually leads to sexual immorality. Uh, let's just look at Galatians 5.19. Um, Just in case there's anybody in here that doesn't know this yet, but Christians are to wait until marriage to have sexual relations. Okay, so let's take a look at uh, Galatians 5:19. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are, okay, flesh means things that are not of God. These are our own desires. Okay, immorality. That's, that's really sexual immorality. Impurity. Sensuality. And I think we just put up one verse. It keeps going on. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, disputes, drunkenness. And it says that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, so do you see what's up on the board. Those three things. Immorality impurity, sensuality. If you practice those things, you're not in the kingdom of God. That's what he said. Okay, what do those words mean? That word for uh, immorality is where we get our word pornea or pornography. And so pornea means to surrender. Right? It means to sell or surrender. Um, Let's see, how do I write this? sell or surrender your sexual purity. That's what pornea means. Okay? So we, we, we have the phrase, uh, she lost her virginity. That's what pornea means. Okay? Outside of the context of marriage. Okay, um, so obviously we don't want to do that, right? When we're dating. Uh, sensuality means, the Greek word there means, lewd behavior. That which is kind of crude. You know, sexually crude behavior. Words, behavior. And impurity is the word for unclean, unclean in a sexual sense, in a lustful sense. Okay, so these three words cover um, the act of sexual, I mean, having sex, and everything but. Okay, because some people think, well, if I do, I can do everything but. No, you can't, because those three words tell you you can't. Right? Okay. All right, so that's worldly dating. Do we want to go there? No. No, we want to be pure pure and holy. Okay, so we talked about betrothal. Is dating biblical? Uh, We're making up our own definition. Uh, How about uh, the age you should start dating? Did you ever think of that? High school students or college students or, or whatever? Well, there's not really so much an age as maybe a maturity level. And if you're in high school, it's probably going to be up to your parents to decide what is mature for your son or daughter. Does that make sense? Because they're under their parents' covering. It's not up to me to tell some high school student what to do. (coughs) It's up to the parents. Uh, Virginia law, you have to be 18 to be married, so, you know, as far as legally goes. I guess you can date before you're 18, but I don't see a problem with that. It's it's just we need to define some parameters here. So Ephesians 6, chapter 1. So especially if you're in college, if you're living with your parents or if you're in high school living with your parents, this particularly applies to you. Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Okay, could you imagine this? Okay, so parents, this is going to be hard for parents to imagine. And this is going to be hard for high school students to imagine. Okay, I'm just going to throw this out there. (laughs) Could you imagine your son or daughter coming to you saying, Mom, there's this girl in my class, my psychology class, that I, I like, and um, you know I'd be interested in in maybe dating and spending some time with her. Uh, what do you think about that, Mom and Dad's joggers? I wonder if that's ever happened. <laughs> Should it happen? Because of Ephesians, do we still have it up here? Yeah. Children, I mean what what are children what are the teens doing when they' bring that to their parents they 're honoring mom and dad right? What does God do when you obey his commands? He says he honors those who honor him god 's going to be all over you with honor teen college student, even college students college students you 're legally uh, eighteen well you 're legally adults, you 're eighteen nineteen twenty but if you're still living with your parents, wouldn't it be cool to be a college student and say mom I met this I met this woman at convocation and I really I'm thinking about asking her out. You know, what do you think about that? Mom's like, "Do you feel okay? Have you been to the infirmary?" <laughs> do it. Do it. Bless your parents. Teens College students. And what if you're not a college student? What if you're 20-something or 30-something? Well, if you, you could still honor your mom and dad. You don't have to ask your mom and dad's permission to date. But I would certainly be in communication with your mom and dad if they're around that, hey, you're interested in dating someone. You're going to ask them out. Hey, mom, hey, dad, would you pray for this process? Wouldn't that be cool if you're 30 years old? Asking your mom and dad for prayer and blessing over what you're about to do? And if they say no, you're not really under that authority. But I would seriously consider if, for some reason, they had a concern. Even if you're 30 years old, you're your, i mean, you're an adult. But if they had a concern about it, I would—I would seriously say, go to God and say, God, why are my parents saying no for this? Do you see? It's—it's it's a matter of honor. God's all over that kind of stuff. Okay. So what age? Well, again, it's—it's it's a maturity thing. It's a parent thing, especially if you're living in the house. Um, it's a maturity thing in this sense. What do I mean what do I mean by maturity? Well, you need to have some godly self-control. So let's look at Galatians here 5:22 5:22 and 5:23. Okay, but the fruit of the spirit is how many times do we say this in Sunday school? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, blah, 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 blah. You don't, we don't even stop to dwell on what those words mean sometimes. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Okay, so we want high school students, college students, young adults, 20-something, 30-something, we want some self-control, don't we? What's, what do I mean by self-control? You actually control yourself. You're controlling your temper, Right? You're not ready to date if you have a big temper. Would you agree? And, and <laughs> sure. you got to control yourself. And listen, girls, ladies, if if a guy has a serious anger problem and he asks you out, you say no. Not right now. You need to get your anger problem dealt with. I'm serious. And if you're dating someone with a, a known anger problem, I mean a manifest anger problem, problem serious anger issues you need to break up and the way you do it is you say it in a nice way you say look um i can't you know your anger is is too much it's going to destroy yourself and this is bad for the relationship you know why don't we just stop seeing each other and you need to get some help and so call me again in six months i'll be praying for you i'm serious i'm very serious i'm very serious on that kind of funny but it's not <laughs> okay so maturity you need to be able to control yourself you need to be able to control your passions right so when you when you're watching movies you know are you like into the big lust thing or on internet when no one's looking or are you kind of like experimenting with all the stuff you can see online you know or can you control that when you see it pop up or when you see an image on your computer say no I'm not going there and you click to another image. That's self-control, isn't it? Okay, that's what we want. Not perfectly. I'm not perfect with it. I have to wrestle with godly self-control. But you're moving in that direction. It's like you actually want to obey God with it. That's a neat idea. You want to obey God. All right, you need to have a real relationship with God. What do I mean by that? It's like you actually want to obey God. Like all these these, these few commands I've given to you today, you're like, wow, God said that. I want to do that. That's maturity. Okay? Again, you're not perfect, but you're like, I want to do what God says. You actually like reading your Bible. Teens, college students, 20-somethings, whoever you are. I mean, if nobody's looking at you, do you secretly bring your Bible out and actually read it because it's like, wow, this is God's Word. I might actually learn something. It's not like your parents have to get on your case about reading the Bible. Which wouldn't be good anyway, would it? You actually like singing praise songs. It's like when you come to church, it's like God is real to you. You have a sense that God is real and that He loves you. And you know, God, I just want to sing a song to you. You're just so awesome. Okay, you want to have that. That's kind of maturity, isn't it? When you have that type of relationship with God, Okay, and lastly, girls, you don't date a guy who can't hold a job. You just don't do it. <laughs> you just don't do it. I don't care if he's dropping fries at McDonald's. You, <laughs> that's a job. That's responsibility. That's good, right? All right. Now I'm not talking about somebody who's disabled. Yeah, I'm not talking. I'm talking about some guy that's just kind of. He doesn't know where he's going with his life. He's just hanging out. He's goofing around. He doesn't know. He doesn't know which way is up, up or down. All right. What did Paul say in Second Thessalonians? If a man doesn't work, a man doesn't eat. Okay. So that's not my command, is it? I made this thing. That's that's God's command. If you don't work, you don't eat. Okay. You guys, with me so far? Okay, Sorry. Okay. so um, there's this, there's this, there's a seasonable, a season, a seasonal, not a seasonable, like adding salt and pepper, but a seasonal, like fall, spring, and winter aspect to dating, okay? And so, uh, teens, whoever's single and is thinking about dating, you you got to catch the way this works, okay? Um if you go to your parents and ask them in a real nice way about dating and they, and they were to say no, I don't think it's right now. Um, you know, Why don't we give this six months and, and why don't we work on some of these issues? And you're like, okay, Mom, I can handle that. Was that God's season for you to date? No. Because your parents said no. Right? If your parents say no and you slam the door and you kick over the stool, are you mature enough to go out on a date? kind of fun uh, <laughs> no um, okay another season sometime let's let's say maybe the guy, the girl was has been in a previous dating relationship and it was a really difficult dating relationship and some things went wrong she was really hurt maybe she was even abused and maybe you want to ask that girl out and she just got off of this abuse type of a relationship, do you think it's probably a good time to ask that girl out? That girl needs to heal. You're not her healer. (laughs) What she needs is not another physical relationship with you. Okay? (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? So that's what I mean by there's a season. In Ecclesiastes 3.11 it says, everything is beautiful in its season. So when you date someone... You need to consider what season are you in, and your parents will help you if you're a teen or in college. But what season is the other person in? Like we have some Korean students, and they don't date in high school. Most of them. Why? Because they're here in the States to ace high school and go to a top ten college. A lot of them. Not all of them. So they really have a one-track mind on school. And I've asked them. I've asked them. And they've told me that. That they're not... A lot of them don't date in high school because they want to focus on their schoolwork. Because they want to get into a good college. Because their parents are probably behind it too. They have tutors that are behind it also. So why why get distracted? You know, they want a 4.0. That's, that's what they believe God has given them to do. So that's what they're doing. So that's... Do you see what I'm saying? That... You know, they don't want to be distracted. That's a season. All right, the other thing you need to understand is you guys have to understand this. Okay, so these are called right, buds, right? A bloom, flower. Oh, it's not a flower yet. It's a bloom. It's a bud, right? Okay, so God made men to be initiators. God made women to be Responders. You say, does the Bible say that? It actually does. Not in those words. But when you look at all the relationships, go back to Genesis, go back to Jacob, um, who initiated the relationship? Was it the man or the woman in the Bible? I just looked Jacob. He saw Rachel. Did Rachel go after Jacob? No. Jacob went after Rachel. Samson saw this woman, a Philistine. He messed up. Well, it's a little complicated. But Samson sees this Philistine woman and tells his dad, Get the woman. Get her in here. Well, she was a pagan woman. God was using it to bring judgment on the Philistines. But Samson got the woman. She didn't come after him, right? Okay, would you guys agree that the church is like the bride of Christ? Who pursued the church? did the church pursue Jesus Christ or did Jesus Christ pursue the church? Okay, so that's that's what I mean when I say men are initiators. And God designed ladies to respond to a man's initiation. Okay, so these blooms represent a woman. Okay? And the man is like the sun and the rain. So when the guy gives a girl... Attention. The girl is designed to bloom emotionally. Since we're just on that level, let's just keep it at emotionally, right? She begins to respond to the man's attention, to the guy's attention. He's liking her. She starts liking him back. That's God designed it that way. That's a good thing. That's really cool, actually. But what you have to realize is if these things open... I mean, once, once the guy asks the girl out and the guy's being kind and nice and gentle and godly and acting in all purity, what happens to the woman? She looks like this, doesn't she? Isn't that awesome? But what happens if, what happens if it's not the lady's season? What happens when this blooms in the wintertime? You know those freak 60-degree, 70-degree days? And then it goes back down to 15 degrees. (laughs) These things get hurt, don't they? (laughs) They either die or they, I don't know, they shrivel up. They do something. But they're not very healthy. So we have to realize, guys, if a guy gives a girl attention, something's going to happen in the girl. And I'm going to share an illustration that's even painful to this day. This is a long time ago. Before I was married, um, there was this woman I wanted to date and uh a you know, Christian woman obviously. Um and so I prayed about it. I asked God, you know, can I date this woman? And I felt like he said no. I was like, No, you know, why can't I date the woman? You know, she's single, I'm single, I'm you know, she's a Christian, I'm a Christian. Why can't I date the woman? Well, I spent time um She had two kids. And I spent time with her. And, uh, you know, like helping her house or plumbing her go. I mean, you know, it was kind of in the guise of helping her, but I really was over there because I liked her type of a thing. Now, I never officially asked her out. And I never touched her. Okay, so I guess those would be good things. I never touched the woman. Um, But my presence with her was awakening... uh, a relationship, an emotional attachment in her. And after a number of months of doing that, I even had friends of mine telling me stay away from the woman. And I was stubborn; I didn't want to. Uh, finally, um, you know, she said to me, "Well, we need to fast and pray and and see which direction this relationship is going to go." And I'm like, "Oh my goodness, <laughs> you know, this woman's telling me spiritually what we need to be doing. I mean, she was putting me to shame." It's not a slight on her. It was a it was a slight on mine. I'm the man. I'm I'm supposed to be the one leading the relationship, and uh, so anyway, God rebuked me through that. So I did fast and pray, and God says, "Stay away from the woman." <laughs> you know, it's like, so I go to her, and she's like, "Would God say to you?" I said, "Well," or she said, "Well, God showed me that you know we're to continue the relationship towards marriage." I'm like, "That's not what God showed me." Anyway, I really hurt her. To the point where she said, don't talk to me again. Don't ever talk to my children. So, I say that to you kind of in shame. I mean, I'm forgiven from it. I learned from it. But, see, I woke her up. And then, when she bloomed, I crushed her. It's terrible. Because I didn't listen to God. Everything is beautiful in its season. Song of Songs, chapter 8, says... Daughters of Jerusalem, or let me paraphrase it. John Dadio De Christian don't awaken love until it pleases. It wasn't pleasing to God to awaken this woman. You see what I'm saying? I think you guys got the illustration. Okay, so there's a seasonal component, and guys, you have to realize what you can do. You don't want to mess it up like I did. <laughs> okay, so all right, so who should you ask out? Okay, we talked about dating apps. You know, I, I wasn't going to talk about dating apps, but I feel like uh, this upcoming generation is going to use dating apps. Your kids might use a dating app, so let me just mention dating apps. If you're in high school, I would—this is this is my sanctified suggestion, mom and dad, teen. Okay, ready? I would not use a dating app in high school, period, because there's sexual predators out there. They're real. And they hurt people. And they're looking for your kids. They really are. Um, College, you know, you're 19, 20, 21 years old. If you're going to use a dating app in college, I would be very, very careful. If I was a woman using a dating app and I was going to meet in a public place, I would station some big guy friends that I have that just happen to need to be at that restaurant. I'm serious. I'm very serious. (laughs) And I wouldn't... I'm not sure. I'd be very careful with that, even in college. And it, you know, even if you're a woman, I'm a little leery about using a dating app. Honestly, that's and maybe I'm old school, but I'm I'm cautious because I don't want to see anybody get hurt. Even if you're 30, 20, 30 years old, I would just caution you with dating apps. All right. So enough said on dating apps. So, um, so who should you ask out? Well. You know, usually you meet somebody in class, you meet somebody at a store where you work or, or whatever the situation is, and that's good. But once you meet that person and you're, and you're thinking, you know what, I'd really like to ask them out, why don't you pray about it? Okay, you, let's say you've already asked your parents about it and they said yes, that's fine. Well, why don't you pray? Wouldn't that be cool? To actually pray and say, God, now don't do what I did. <laughs> don't, don't pray God tells you and then, then you do the wrong thing, right? Okay. Um, You know, who should you ask out? It has to be a Christian. Because 2 Corinthians 6.14. Let's read this. You have to date a Christian. You can't date someone that's not a Christian. Uh, Let's see, 6.14. Here's Paul saying, Do not be bound together with unbelievers. You guys catching it? Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership, what dating relationship has righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship is there with light and darkness? So, you know, you're a Christian. You're dating. You're non-Christian. I guarantee, I can almost guarantee that the non-Christian is going to pull the Christian down. And you're going to compromise. You'll compromise in some way. You'll be pulled away from God. I can almost guarantee that you do that. Okay, by the way, that's not my sanctified suggestion. Okay, listen, green man, you don't date non-Christians. I'm God. That's my rule. That's my commandment. You guys got it? Right. I made green man. I can tell green man to only date Christians. Can't I? I mean, I I made him, right? If I wanted to squish him and remake him, I could do that, couldn't I? Okay. Just want to make sure you're with me on that. Um, Now, how do you know someone's a Christian? Do you realize a Gallup poll not long ago, 70% of Americans said they're Christians? There's another poll that said about 30% were born again Christians. So um, being a Christian doesn't really mean anything to me. Anymore. <laughs> um, even someone that says they're born again doesn't really mean that much to me anymore. The only thing that means anything to me is if I see you actually practicing the Word of God. If I see that, if I see you loving people, if I see you putting others before yourself, when I see those things, I say, oh, that's that's definitely a Christian right there. But anything else, I have no idea what you are. I really don't. But 70% of people... so. I'm teaching students, right? And uh, I bring up God in my classroom sometimes because I don't care. Um, <clears throat> and so I brought God up one time in my classroom and some scriptures. Uh, actually, it was really cool. We were talking about um, doing a vision board for your life. And so I was having my students, uh, you know, put career on their vision board, have religion on their vision board. You know, what? you know, family and relationships on their vision board. You know, where do you want to be in five or ten years? So they would create these vision boards. That's a really cool project. Well, religion was part of the class, actually. So I was able to talk about it. I said, you know, guys, if you go to church, if, if religion you know, in church are big with you, put that on there. And, and so a lot of my classmates, you know, they, I would talk about that and they'd mention scriptures to me. I'm like, oh, this is really cool. I mean, one classmate, one woman said, oh, this is my favorite scripture. And she quotes her verse right in the classroom. I'm like, this is really cool. Well, then later on, right in front of everybody in the classroom, she talks about living with her significant other and she's pregnant. I'm like, oh, this is not good. (laughs) This is so not good. Now, I'm not going to say she's not a Christian. I I really don't know. But that's that's, that's a terrible testimony. You're quoting Scripture in one minute, next minute, it's okay to be sleeping with your boyfriend and have a baby. No, it's not. It's sin. It's not, it's not okay. It's not, it's not pleasing to God whatsoever. So anybody can say they're a Christian. So here you are. You really like this girl. or You really like this guy. And they quote John 3.16 to you. And they go to church. But they don't praise God. They don't love God. They don't read their Bible. They don't obey God. They throw temper tantrums at home. They're rebellious. They're not Christians. They go to church, but they're probably not a Christian, right? So you have to date a Christian. You don't want to date somebody that's not. Another thing... Um, well, yeah, I shared, the, I shared the illustration with you. <clears throat> okay, so who should you ask out? Do you guys have the idea on who to ask out? All right, how should you treat your date once you actually <laughs> once you actually get that far now, right? <laughs> um, obviously you need to be kind, right? You need to as Jesus said, uh do to others as you would have them do to you. Isn't that a a good standard way to treat people, you know? That's that's pretty obvious. Um here's what happens though. You don't want to be jealous. Uh, Jealousy... Let me read the Scripture on jealousy here. Um, Galatians 5.19 and 20 again. We're going back to the same place we were. This is pretty intense. Galatians 5.19, I already read to you, the deeds of the flesh are evident in sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, Envying, drunkenness, carousing. Um, But you notice after strife comes jealousy. Is that up on the screen? Yeah, it is. Okay, so the Scripture says that if you practice these things, you're not going to heaven. You mean if I practice being jealous, I'm not going to heaven? That's what the Scripture says. Now I'm talking about somebody that's neurotic with jealousy. Uh, The word for jealous is zelos. And the root word of zelos is z, which means to boil over. So jealousy is an emotion that boils over and goes crazy on someone. That's what jealousy is. In the Old Testament, God said, hey guys, let's make a city, a sanctuary city. Like with this immigration thing, we have sanctuary cities, right? So you guys kind of know the concept. Well, in the Old Testament, they set up cities so that if somebody accidentally killed somebody... Um, they wouldn't come after him. They could flee to the city. You know, you don't, a jealous husband coming after somebody. Uh, so we don't want sanctuary cities here in Lynchburg um, with this jealousy thing. You don't date, so again, girls don't date a guy that's jealous. I mean, when I say jealous, I mean, has a serious problem with jealousy, just boiling over. Like, let's say you're out on a date, right, and the girl is, uh, maybe you're at a school function or maybe you're. Um, at a youth group, even, and the girl your girlfriend's talking to some other guy, and she 's laughing and they're kind of telling jokes, and you get really uptight i mean I mean you're really angry, and I mean your fists are like clenched, and you're thinking you're gonna hurt this guy, okay, you have a problem, okay, <laughs> dude, you have a problem uh, so girls that's not who you want to date now let's say a guy. Your dating guy and your girlfriend's talking with another guy and you get that feeling, that feeling of anger and jealousy first enters into your brain. Okay, what do you do? You don't have to entertain it. The Scripture says in uh, it's, um, 2 Corinthians 10.5, take every thought captive to obedience to Jesus Christ. So here's how it works. Okay, So I'm the guy, my girlfriend's talking to another guy, and they're, they're just, they seem to be a little too friendly. They're laughing. They're having a good time. But they're not really doing anything wrong. But I'm really getting angry. What can I do? As soon as that feeling or thought of anger comes into this mind, into this body, the Holy Spirit's going to help me and point it out. And I'm going to say, wait a minute. She's just talking to my friend. Get out of here, Satan. Get out of my face. I'm not getting angry. She can, we're dating. It's not, not, like, it's not my wife. And even if it was my wife, I shouldn't be getting angry and upset anyway. God, please help me with this. you got to see what I did. you got to do that. You have to do that. Or you'll, you'll fall into it. And you don't want to fall into it. Okay. Alright, so jealousy, want to avoid it. Talking about treating your date. Um, you just have to realize when you date someone, you don't own them. Do you? And you can't. You don't try to make your date do your will. Even when you're married, you shouldn't make your spouse do your will, should you? Does God make you do His will? Question. I mean, when's the last time God threw you on the floor, put put you, your arm behind your back, shoved your face in the mud, and said, "Do this or forget it, man. Our relationship's done." He doesn't do that. God draws us with love. So that's how you want to do that. We don't, we don't make people do things. Okay um, And how should you treat your date with all purity? Remember in the very beginning I talked about definition of dating for Christians. Part of it should be with all purity. So let's look at a scripture here, 1 Corinthians 6:19. How are we doing on time? I'm winding down here 6:19. Actually, I'm going to start in 18. I don't think you have it. Do we? Uh, No, we don't. But that's okay. I'm going to start in verse 18. It says, flee immorality. What's flee mean? Run away, right? Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. So, if you get into sexual immorality, not only do you sin against the other person, but you're also sinning against your own body. Isn't that amazing? Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price? Okay, so what is it saying here? Okay, one motivation for me to not fall into sexual immorality is because this body right here, you're looking at a tall, skinny, white body. Person with Jesus Christ living inside me. Isn't that amazing? There's short, stocky, green people. There's uh, <laughs> right. There's all different colors and kinds and shapes and sizes of people. But they're the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? So I am I going to sin against this body? I mean, God lives in this body. Do I really want to do that? But then it's not just me, because if I, if I decide I am going to sin against this body, what am I doing with the woman or the girl that I'm with? I'm sinning against her body, right? So, do I dare defile this temple? Do I dare defile the temple of the girl that I'm with? No. And God showed me early on when I was dating, I mean, God spoke to me. Not... Like not like verbally, not like sound waves speaking to me. Okay, like in my thoughts and in my mind, very clearly. And he said, "You will not defile one of these ladies. You don't. You're not going to defile them. They're my temples. You're not going to do it. Period." And I said, "Yes, God." And by the grace of God, I never did. I never did. By the grace of God. And it's a good thing um, I, didn't, I was 27 when I got saved. If I had started dating when I was 27 right after I got saved, I would have messed it up big time. I was, I was 39 when Debbie and I got married. And when we dated, we prayed. Both of us prayed about whether we should even date each other. We did that. Both of us got godly counsel about whether we should even date each other. Both of us agreed we would not be alone in a house together, period. And we didn't. We weren't. If, we were, if I was at her house, her roommates were always there. And we would go out in public, of course. Or, you know, we'd take a walk in the woods. Of course we were alone. But, you know, that, that was okay. But we just agreed. And we didn't have our first kiss until we were engaged. I mean, I'm going to actually close with the with the kissing thing so um, <laughs> okay so the last point is how should you end the date is it all right to give your date a good night kiss drum roll um, well let me just share some scripture and some illustrations and then you guys can make up your own mind uh, because the Bible doesn't say, Thou shalt not kiss your date goodbye. It doesn't say that. It does say, Greet one another with a holy kiss, right? And so we have holy kisses. Kisses, you know, my relatives, I have a French relative, and you know, she always kisses me on both cheeks, and that's kind of weird. But um, that's the way, you know, it's just a harmless greeting type of a thing. Okay, let's look in. Uh, you guys remember what Paul said to Timothy? In 2 Timothy 2.22, I don't, I don't think I put it up. Or did I? Yeah, I did. Good. All right, now flee youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Okay, what's, what's flee mean? Okay, so now we need a, we, we kind of need to say, all right, is this kissing thing a youthful lust or is it just, is it okay? And so I'm not going to be very insistent on what I tell you, I'm going to give you more of a sanctified opinion. How about that? Okay, all right. Certain things I've shared with you. I'm the creator. I tell my people what to do, and that's that's it. Period. So on this one, you can kind of gauge it for yourself. Let's look at Romans thirteen thirteen, and I'm winding down again here. Paul said this: Let us behave properly. Okay, what do you mean, Paul? Behave properly. As in the day, not as carousing, not being drunk, uh, not in sexual promiscuity, I mean, that's basically having sex, and sensuality, that's doing everything but. Is it okay to do everything but? No, it's not okay to do everything but. Not in strife and, there's the J word, jealousy. So a couple different places. God's not into jealousy. God's not into sex outside of marriage. And God's not into everything but. Okay, so how does the kissing thing f- uh, fit into it all? Well, um, <clears throat> you know, if you're just ending a date and you just you know, kind of give more of a a greeting or a uh, a goodbye type of kiss, I you know I don't see a problem with that. Um, the problem to me is uh, the passionate kissing. In other words, you're going to be you invite her over because your parents are gone or your dorm or whatever, they're gone. You're going to sit on your couch because nobody's there and you're just going to go for it. You're going to do everything but. I would say no. That's Flee that. Run away from that. Um, the other thing I would say about passionate kissing is this. Is that... See, I have to be very careful to say this. Um, God created it. Would you agree? In fact, actually, God wants us to go for it in marriage. And so when I do my message on marriage, go for it. Enjoy yourselves. He made it, right? God made sex. Satan's the one that perverts sex, so we have to feel ashamed to even say the word sex. No. God made it. You're married? Go for it. You're not married? Sorry, green man that I mushed. You can't do it. So, here's the thing. Passionate kissing in this elder's view is designed for marriage and sexual relationship. In other words, it leads to two people coming together. To me, that's how God designed it. Okay? That's how I see it. So I'll just share that with you. You can take it however you want. But the thing is, here's the thing. Are you trying to see what you can get away with while you're dating? <laughs> I mean, you're not mature if that's your attitude. How much can I do and get away with it? That's not mature. Is that holiness? What is holiness? Here, let me just close with this. This whole marriage thing, we didn't invent it. God invented it. And it's a pattern. What we get to share in what God has already initiated in the heavenlies. In other words, Christ wants a bride without spot and without blemish. That's holiness, isn't it? That's purity. That's beautiful. So we're being, we're being uh, prepared for that. So when we die, there's going to be a wedding feast, a marriage feast of the Lamb. There's a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven prepared beautifully as a bride dressed for her husband. Beautiful. So ladies and men, when you get married, don't you want to stand up here holding hands, looking at the congregation or whatever on your marriage day and, and say, I honored God in my dating relationship. Now, let me say something. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I wasn't a Christian when I was dating and I did fall um, before I was a Christian. So I know I know what it's like to fall. But... If you are a Christian and you have fallen sexually, you need to know this. If you've repented and you sought forgiveness, you are one hundred percent squeaky clean. Do you understand that? You I mean, it's not see, Satan comes to you and say, You scumbag, you didn't obey God, you blew it. And you're like, Yeah, you're right, I'm a scumbag, I blew it. Well, I mean, you might as well just keep going for it. I mean, you already blew it. God's not going to take you back. Yeah, you're right. Probably ought to just get together and just keep doing what I'm doing. What? Don't even go to church. Don't even look in the out You're right. I probably shouldn't even go to church. Um, and you feel... Isn't that what Satan does? Okay. No. Satan, thank you for reminding me That I was a scumbag. I really appreciate that because that reminds me of what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. It also reminds me that you're going to spend an eternity in the lake of fire, and I'm not because I'm forgiven. I have the righteousness of Christ. I am clothed with Jesus Christ, and God's going to say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. When I die, I'm forgiven, Satan. Thanks for reminding me. You see what I'm saying? So you're clean. I mean, we all blow it, right? You blow it, you're clean. You you, you repent, you press on. So you can still stand before God on your wedding day and say, God, you forgave me. I'm clean. I did everything from that point on to honor you. And this wedding is going to honor you. And you get glory. Isn't that cool? Isn't that how you want to end this thing? Okay. All right. Hopefully, guys, I I get a little excited about, about this kind of stuff. The reason I do is because we live in a sex saturated society. And I have to tell you the truth. I have to tell you the truth, even if it's a little awkward. I just have to do it um, by the grace of God. So I hope, hopefully, you receive what I'm saying. And uh, those of you that are going to get married, I look forward to your wedding day in purity. I really do. Let's pray. Let's have the prayer team come on. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you.